The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Beitza has been dedicated anonymously of Meir ben Esther. Amen. has been dedicated as well Amen. We bless our anonymous sponsor that Bezat Hashem he should be blessed with Arichut Yamim, health, Oshel, Veoshel, Vechavod, and Bezat Hashem should be Zochem in the near future to raise a family uh, and continue all his good work for the community. Amen. Daf Chafhet. Today's Daf is being studied by the Nishmat of Raham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanihinu Began Eden Amen. Begin today's daf on Khafhita Mudrishon, right on the top line starting at the new Mishnah. Matnitin Rabiu Daumer Shokel Adam Basar Keneged Akeli O Keneged Hakofits. Bachamim Omrim El Mashkihim Bekaf Mosdaim Kolaikar. Discussion of here is weighing meat. With the scale on Yom Tov. Well, everybody agrees you cannot weigh in the normal fashion. They used to have the balance scales, where they used to put a weight on one side. They called the weight a litra, and they would put the meat on the other side, and you know, they would balance it to see exactly how much it weighs. So that's considered ma'asehol. That's considered a weekday activity, and everybody agrees that that is asurbi. However, allows to weigh the meat by putting something that not normally would be used on the other side of the scale as a weight. For example, a vessel, a keli, or keneged a kofitz, a cleaver, where uh, some of the mefarshim understand, that would be the opinion of the uh, rashash, where you know the weight of the cleaver already, and you know the weight of the keli, but you're using that as your weight, and therefore you figure out exactly how much the meat uh, weighs. According to the Bartanura, we says no, you don't know how much the cleaver weighs. But the point is, after Yom Tov, you'll weigh the cleaver to know exactly how much uh, meat was on the scale. But the point is, according to the Yudah, you do it in a Shinui, you do it in a different fashion. They come along and say, you can't use a scale whatsoever. Kol ikar. Right? No, no, no scale on Yom Tov. Comes the Gemara and says, my kol ikar. Now, what does it mean, kol ikar at all? Hachamim just could have said in the Mishnah, Hachamim Muslim. You know, whatever the Buddha says they're allowed to do, Hachamim says asur. What is that extra terminology, asur, kol ikar? You know, in totality. What does that mean? So, Amar Buddha, Mashamu'el, afilu le shomro mina akhbarim. Says, even if you want to place the meat on the scale, which is high up, not, to, not for weighing purposes, you just want to uh, protect the meat from the mice, so it can't uh, get eaten. Still, kolaykar, you don't want you to use it at all, uh, and uh, even for protection purposes. That's the kolaykar. Amarav idi baravin detalia betrita. The only time it's going to be a problem. Uh, is when it's hanging from a ring. Again, you have the balance scale. It's hanging up there. So when you put the meat on one side of the scale, 
So it causes it to weigh down, the other side goes, uh, goes, uh, goes up. So even though you're doing it for protection for the mice, it looks like you're weighing. Masha'enken, if the scale was just sitting on the table, mm-hmm. so even Hachamim would allow you to put the meat on the scale to protect it from the mice. So the only time it's a suit to use a scale according to Hachamim when it's hanging from the trita, from the uh, ring. Tabah Uman, the butcher, the expert, Asur Lishkol Basar Biyad. It's forbidden for him to weigh meat in his hand. Now, Rashi understands is talking about where he actually puts a weight in one hand, and he puts the meat in the other hand, and he has a good feel, you know, for how much things weigh. So he's like, you know, weighing like this. Also Asur, because that would be the normal way he does it during the week. Others uh, learn, uh, for example, the, uh, the Rosh. He says, even putting it in his hand alone, without a weight on the other side. It seems that the Tabah Oman has a feel for how much things weigh. So we, the Rashi learns that you're putting a, a weight in one hand and the meat in the other hand and you're balancing. If you look at Rashi, yeah. he puts the weight in one hand. This is Oman, that's why he does it. So that's a surah. Even without putting the other weight in the other hand, just by taking the meat and you know, weighing it in his hand, that's going to be a suit as well. Next halakha. Tabah Oman, a surah basar bemayim. It's forbidden for him to weigh meat in water. What would they do? They would take a, a bucket of water or some type of apparatus that had water and they would make ridges on the side of the bucket and they would put, for example, at certain levels I'm giving you a mashal, one pound, two pound, three pound and they would drop the piece of meat in the water and based on the displacement of the water would rise so they would look at the marks that they placed and they would know exactly how much the meat weighs so the Gemara says that that's Asur. Now, some of the uh, Rishonim take out the word Uman. Because you really don't have to be Uman for this. I mean, anybody that has this apparatus can drop the piece of meat in, and you're able to, you know, just look at the ridges and see, you know, what, what exactly the weight is. Others want to say, no, even such a system requires a certain skill, I guess, to read it and to make sure that you're, uh, you know, you're getting a proper uh, reading on the weight. So that would be the debate on the word Uman in this case as well. You're not allowed to make a handle to the meat. A butcher, when he would sell the meat to a customer, so you have a big piece of meat, so they would, uh, with a vessel, and they would make a hole in the meat itself, and then uh, the customer would be able to stick his hand in the meat, a pocket, and hold the meat. So he says that that is uh, asur, and the uh, reason is, because, as she says, it's a weekday uh, item, and it looks like you're uh, preparing something for Mecca Homemkar, for selling. You know, selling a commerce is a suit on Yom Tov. So you know, giving the meat to the customer in that fashion looks like you're involving yourself in Mecca Homemkar, therefore it's a suit. Amar Avina Ubiyada Shari. Which means to make the hole with your fingers is to bore out the, the meat to make the pocket with your fingers without using a vessel so that would be a shinui so that would be permissible Amar Rav Huna Mutar la'asot siman bebasar 
on Yom Tov, it is permissible to make a sign in the cut of the meat on Yom Tov. Why would you want to make a sign? He is sending the meat, let's say, with a shaliyah, right? And uh, you don't trust him. You know, he might switch the kosher meat that you're sending him, and he might take the meat because he wants to eat the kosher meat or do whatever he wants, and he puts taref meat instead. So what you would do is you'd make a siman on the cut of the meat in order that he cannot uh, switch it. So you know, you know, your meat has a certain cut. So you're allowed to make uh, special cuts to the meat on uh, Yom Tov. The Gemara gives an example. He used to cut the meat in triangular shape. If you look at the Rashi, you see the triangle there? That's the tlat uh, karneta, three corners. When the Rashi says over here, When he used to send meat home, Hayaragil they all know that this is the this is our meat. This is a, uh, an issue of basash So by putting the siman on it, uh, the family knew that this was. Was the, was the meat cut into a triangle, or was there a siman on it? Ah, that's very good. So from uh, Rashi, the piece itself. the piece itself he made. Like I hear some opinions that one you want to see. He put a stamp. He put a you know the, the stamp on it. Okay, I hear that. But Rashi is more mashma that the actual meat, the piece of meat itself, was baal shalosh kenonot. Okay, two rabbis. That's Rabbi Shimon, the son of Rabbi. Shoklin maneh keneged maneh biyom tov. So when they would, let's say, have the meat that they were dividing on yom tov, uh, they would, uh, you know, separate. They would divide maneh keneged maneh, which means they would, uh, you know, weigh it, so to speak, with me and, uh, and say, all right. You got uh, one pound, they'll give you one pound, can I give you the other pound? They, they would divide it by weighing it on Yom Tov. So now, they're using a scale. Because they wanted to divide the meat. So the Gebarosas came out. Well, who are they going like? Look at a Yehuda, but look at a banana. Now, because the Yehuda said you can only use a scale if you're not going to use weights. Mm-hmm. And they only let you put a keli on the other side, or a kofitz, or a cleaver. Right? You cannot use regular weights. So it's not going like the Yehuda, but look at a banana. Like the rabbis forbade usage of scales at all. So therefore we want to know the Bhiyah and the Bishwan Bid B, you know, who are they relying on? That they used to measure away the meat on Yom Tov. So Ikra Biuda, Gamana speaks it out. If you want to say it's gonna be Udah, Ahmashokel Adam Basar, Kenegi the Kedi, or Kenegi the Kofits, Kenegi the Kedi in, Kenegi Midi Aharina, no. They were following the opinion of Rabbi Yoshua. Who's Rabbi Yoshua? Rabbi Yoshua from uh, the Ibrahita, the Tanya. Rabbi Yoshua says, Shoklin mane, keneged mane, beyom tov. He says, in Echadami, you're allowed to weigh a piece of meat. Can I get another piece of meat? On Yom Tov, using the scale. Amar of Yosef, Halakha, can it be Yoshua? You know what? We're going to take it to be Yoshua's opinion. Use the scale to, to measure the meat. Why? So Gemara says, Amar of Yosef, Halakha, Yosef, Ho'il, Betan, Bechorot, Kebatim. 
Because we have a Mishnah in Masichet Bechorot. Nothing to do with that weighing on Yom Tov. Another Mishnah, but from that Mishnah, we could deduce that the Halakha follows Rabbi Yoshua. Ditnan, we have a Mishnah. Now, let's, uh, let's just review outside some uh, principles, and then we can go back inside and read the Mishnah, we can have a clarity. There's a concept called Pesulei Mukdashim. They have a Korban, let's say, and the Korban became a Ba'almum. It got blemished. Okay? So technically when it becomes blemished, uh, the Kiddushah really goes off the animal to an extent. But even by Pesulei Mukdashim, that become Ba'almum, the Torah does forbid it. For example, to use its shearings, it's Asud Ligzoz, and for that matter, it's Asud to use the animal for Avodah. Right. You do need to make what's called a pigeon. You have to make a redemption. Now, uh, after the pigeon, then everybody can take the meat, you can sell it. Now, the Hadush is by Pesodem Mukdashin, uh, they allow you to make a pigeon, of course, and then take the meat and go to the Itlis. The Itlis would be like the meat market and sell it like you sell regular meat, meaning put it on the scale, put weights on the other side. <laughs> Now, even though you might argue and say, well, that's a bizayon. After all, this is, this is still mukdashin. Even if the image of pigeon, it still has a certain kiddushah to it. To go allow you to treat it, but did it bizayon, to put it on the scale like that. What's, uh, you know, how could they let you do that? So the Mishnah says, you know why we let you do that? Because it'll benefit Hikdish. Why? Because when you go to the Italy's, to the meat market, you get a good price, because that's where the customers are. Now, if you're going to sell this piece of meat now, in the Italy's, weighing it and all that, you'll, you'll fetch the right value, correct? So how's that going to benefit Higdish? You're selling it to a guy, you know, the guy's taking the money himself. You're right, but the owner that makes the pigeon, since he knows he can sell it in the Italy's and get good money for this piece of meat, his redemption, he's going to redeem it for nice value. Which means the meat is worth, let's say, 100 bucks, right? If you told the guy, listen, you can't sell it in the Italy. You can only sell it from your basement. It's like, who's going to come to my basement and buy the meat? How much are going to get? 50 bucks? I said the pigeon is for 50 bucks. So how much is the Kadesh going to get? 50 bucks. But here, since you let the guy sell it in the Italy's and you let him weigh it and sell it and all that... So now the guy says, you know what, this is going to get good money for this piece of meat over here. So who's going to benefit? Higdesh like is going to benefit. Why? Because when I make the pigeon, how do you make pigeon? You evaluate how much the piece is worth. Now if the piece is worth good money because I can sell it in the proper venue, so Higdesh like is going to have an ah. So therefore, and when it comes to Pesodem Mukdashim, no problem. Sell it in the Atlees and all that because the Hana'a goes to Higdesh. So I waive the Bizayon factor. However, when it comes to Bechorot, Bechorot, we know we learned the law of Bechor. Right? Bechor has Ba'almum, Mum Kavua. Who gets the uh, 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 Bechor? Kohen. Kohen eats it. doesn't go to Egdesh. Kohen eats it. It's his personal item. So now, if a uh, Kohen wants to go along and sell the Bechor, since the Bechor does have Kedusha in it, we don't allow him to go to the market, to the Italy's, and sell it like a regular piece of meat. Because we well, don't benefit the Egdesh. So time, you're going to sell something that's Kodesh in a derogatory manner. You can't put the scales and all that. But, the Mishnah says, now we begin the Mishnah. The Mishnah does say 
Nan, Pesulea Mukdashim, that's a regular Korban that say became Pasul, Hana'atan Lehegdesh. Since the benefit will go to Hegdesh, meaning via the Pidyon, Veshoklin Maneh Keneged Maneh. I'm sorry. A different Hegdesh, therefore you can weigh it in the normal manner. When you go to the Itlis, put it on the scale, put a weight on the other side. And I don't say it's the Bizayon, because bottom line, this is the benefit of the Hegdesh, sell it the right way. However, but when it comes to the Bechor, now nah, I don't let you put the, the way because what, what, who's benefiting? Stami should be even Zalzel Bechdesh, because it's Zilzul to, to sell Kodesh meat like you're selling Cholin meat. Oh, so I, I want to sell, I want to weigh it. How do I weigh it? Which means just put another piece of uh, meat on the scale and weigh it like that, and we're not going to even let you sell it in the least. You sell it from your house. Why? Because since there's no reason for us to be mekel, right? So, so what do you see from over here? You see that what maneh keneged maneh is not the normal fashion, correct? You see that's not the for this mishnah. Nothing to do with yom tov. You just see that maneh keneged maneh is not the the normal way. The normal way is to put a, a weight on it and sell it. But uh, since we don't want you to mebaze the bechorot, so that's coming in the maneh. Oh, so let's go back to yom tov. So on yom tov, the biyoshua will say, "What you want to make a maneh? That's not the normal way to to sell uh, to to wave." And therefore, we will tell on yom tov. So since we find the mishnah in Masechet Bechorot that also uh, uh, proposes this type of shita that maneh is not the normal derech. So therefore, must be the halacha follows the biyoshua. Therefore, we can be lenient with that. Now. Let's read all this in Rashi. Let's start with Rashi, Ho'il. Ho'il v'tnad bebechorot kevateh. De'asul l'shkol v'lemkor bechor ba'almum. You're not allowed to weigh and sell a bechor ba'almum. She'sha'ato ba'em, she'sha'ato kohen, kohen stored, bil-litra, using a weight. She'lo'l asot ma'aseh hol bekodashim. Not to use them, do a mundane thing, when it comes to Kodashim, the Bizayonu. Yeah, it's a Bizayon. Viketani, the Manekinigid Maneh, but to do a Manekinigid Maneh, you put a piece of meat, Kinigid, a piece of meat, Viodaya, Kamam Meshkadi, Shonavish, Kinigid, Damutad, Alma Lav Uvda de Hol Hashivde. Alma, that Manekinigid Maneh is not considered a mundane item. Correct? Next Rashi. Vitnan. The Sulam Muktashim and Atan Negdish for Shukim Manekinigid Maneh Bibihor. This is really the end of the Mishnah over there in Bechorot. Now she's going to give us the full context. The Resha says the following. That would be like a Korban that became blemished. That's Pesulea Muktashim. Nimkarim Be'etliz. You can sell it in the meat market. Vinishkarim Be'litra. And you weigh it the regular way with the weights. Chutz Minab Bechor V'Ma'asir. Except for the Bechor and Ma'asir. Shanayatan Be'alim. Because there, Hegdesh doesn't get any benefits from it. The pleasure goes to the owners. Avad pesulam mukdashim and atam leHegdesh. Now, so what do you do by bechor? Veshoklin mane keneged mane bebechor. Vechen perusha. This is the explanation of the Mishnah. Kol kadashim baalemumim. All korbanot that became blemished shnivdu bemuman 
you have to redeem them first. You have to redeem them. Now, even after the redemption, there is still some kedusha in the Bahamum. You still cannot shear, nor can you work it. Even so, you can still treat them like chodin. You can slaughter it in the meat market. And you can sell it in the normal fashion with weights. Why? Whatever you're going to sell the bechor for, who gets the money? Which means there's no pidyon by a bechor. All you do is the bechor, what do you do? You go to the marketplace and you sell. Who gets the money? The owners. So I'm not, I mean, not going to let you go mizalzel bekadashim to make the owners rich. Right. There's no pidyon by bechor. Who eats the korban bechor when it's a baal mum? The kohen. Now he wants to go sell it. Go, go sell it. So you can make some more money. I'm not going to let you go now defile the bechor. And sell it in a meat market like you're selling regular meat and put it on a scale with regular weights. I'm not going to let you do that. <laughs> For example, korbanot that became pasul, hanayat mechiratan beyoker. The more money you sell it for, where does that benefit go to? Leegdeshi. Now, how does it go leegdesh? Ve'afalpishi kevad nifdu kodem shechita. What do you mean? The money that you sell it for doesn't go leegdesh. The pidyon money goes leegdesh. So that she says that kodem pidya in shchatim. Which means, what do you mean? You make the pidya first, then you slaughter it. You have a korban, you became a baal mum. So what's the what's the what's the, what's the, what's the protocol? Pidyon. That money goes take this, then you sell it. So the, uh, she's asking a question. What do you mean? What, what kind of benefits gonna go to this? The, the sale money's not going to Egdish. So what's the difference? How much money I fetch in the sale? The bottom line, the pidyon was done earlier. So that she says the If you can sell it for more money, Egdish will benefit. Since the guy who's making the pidyon knows he can sell it for good money, who mosif pidyono mitchilato, he's going to add to the pidyon money. Like I told you, if the guy thinks he can only sell it for fifty bucks, says oh, it's worth fifty bucks. I'm going to redeem it fifty bucks. And he gives the fifty bucks like this. But if the guy tells no, no, you could go to the Italy's, you could weigh it, you could sell like a oh, okay. And there's customers over there. I get a hundred dollars for this. So he's going to put the pidyon price from the inception. At a high value, and therefore there's going to benefit. It's bizayon. We say, you know what? Make a bizayon. That's where the customers are. So therefore, from the fact that we have a Mishnah in Masechet Bechorot, and the Mishnah says that by Bechor, here's the real proof. Bechor, the Kohen, can weigh it. But listen, since it's not take dish, we don't want you to weigh it in the normal way. How should you weigh it then? Maneh, connect, maneh. Take the bechor, beat, put it on one side of the scale, put the other meat on the other side of the scale. 
this is not considered whole. Oh, since it's not considered whole, go back to Yom Tov now. Rabbi Yoshua will allow you to weigh meat, and that's uh, very good, because we had a story with Hiyah and Rabbi Shimon Berebi, those are the two rabbis, right, that on Yom Tov, they use the scale to measure maneh keneged, maneh, that they were, you know, they were weighing the, uh, the, 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 the piece of meat, keneged each other, they were following shittat, the Yoshua, okay? How does he gain more money by using ultra as opposed to maneh I'm telling you, because when you go to the Itlis, and, and you weigh the, 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 the meat with the proper way, you're going to get the people going to give you a proper price. The part of the business is going to the Eclis in the first place. No, that's that. part, of the, uh, the part of the price. So we let you sell it, because that's the way you sell normal meat. That's why it's a bizayon. Your normal... So I'm telling you, when yeah, you go to the Eclis, you fetch a normal price. That's where the market is. Instead of selling it in your basement, who's, who's going to go buy your basement? Well, you go to the market. When, when, you, when you want to get a price, you go where the customers are. I'm saying, once you go to the market and weigh it against the money. So I'm telling you, because once you go to the marketplace, they let you sell it in the normal way. They let you sell it in the normal way. And, and, and I'm not going to say even further, that when you use a weight, that's the normal way of people selling meat. People are... Can it air more uh, comfortable to buy a piece of meat knowing exactly the way, not using uh, unconventional uh, methods of selling? I know exactly it's the 2.7 pounds with the skim. Yeah, 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 that's, a, that's a normal way of selling. Maybe they charge more than the Atlees also. Okay, the, the, for sure. No, for sure the Atlees, that's the money. That's the money. But even the, the bizayon of the weight, though it's kind of air, that's going to also, uh, you know, uh, give uh, you call it, confidence to the, to, the, to, the, to the customer. You know, it's a way in the normal way. And the truth is, once you're already allowing the Atlees, so that's the biggest business already. So that you can really sell it, uh, sell it as you want. He says he doesn't get any money for the pigeon. The pigeon money, Egdesh gets. I'm just saying he's going to make a bigger pigeon knowing that he can sell it for more. And therefore we allow Bizayon where it's a benefit for Egdesh. But Shi'enken Bechor, whose benefit is it? The Kohen gets the money for himself. There's no pigeon by here, Bechor. So therefore, we're going to tell the guy, go sell it in the Atlees, what, just stamp the Bezay Egdesh to make you rich? We're not doing that. Ella, what should you do? Go sell it in your house. I say I gotta weigh it. That's not considered masih. That's not considered masih. Hold. So I understand the chorot. Oh, so the Yosef has support, and therefore he wants halacha follows the Yosef. Now what the Gemara is going to do now is and say, no, what are you talking about? Do not connect the Yosef's opinion of weighing maneh connected maneh to this mishnah bechorot. Do not compare. Which you want to link the two opinions? Do not link them. Why? That the Gemara says. Abba de Abaye, Abaye comes along and says, Vedilma Lohi. I mean, maybe, start, so maybe your analogy to that Mishnah in Masik al Bechorot has nothing to do with the case of measuring meat on Yom Tov. Why? Ad Kano Kamar Biyoshua Hakam, Eladeneka Bezion Kadashim. You know what? You know why the Biyoshua on Yom Tov allows you to take a piece of meat and weigh it? Maneh, Kenegid Maneh? Because we're talking about regular meat. There's no bizayon over here of Kodashim. Aval hatam dika bizayon Kodashim. No. But who said? Maybe over there, the Biyosha will tell you that what? That we don't want you to do maneka nigid maneh even by uh, uh, a regular animal because it's bizayon Kodashim. Just because he's lenient on Yom Tov, who says he's going to be lenient in the case of Kodashim? Did you want to tell me, oh, we have a Mishnah over there? It's here to be Yoshua. Uh, my mom must be halakha like him. 
Who told you? What do you mean? Just because he allows you to take a regular piece of cholin meat and, and, and weigh it, manek and anyway, does that mean he's going to allow you to take pisulim dashim also? And who told you this was that mishnah? Maybe he don't like you on that mishnah over there. Just because he's lenient over there doesn't mean he's lenient by kadashim. Now, in the oh, I go the other way. I go the other way. You know why the rabbis in that Mishnah were lenient to weigh bechor? Because that's not the normal way that you uh, that you do it. But here it looks like ofdin dehol. Why? Because when you're selling a piece of meat, like in the case of bechorot. It's not the normal way to sell a piece of meat, putting a manek and naked manek, putting two pieces of meat. No, normally when you sell a piece, how do you weigh, how do you, how do you sell it? What a weight. So therefore, over there I'll tell you the rabbis said, you know what, you know why you can do manek and naked manek? Because it doesn't look like a normal way. Masha'ikin, over there in the case of the and the the they weren't selling. They were just dividing a piece of meat. It could be that's the normal way. When you're dividing amongst the uh, friends, we'll say, you, know, you split it like that with Kenegim. So therefore, could be the rabbis that were lenient in the Mishnah over there are Mahmir by Yom Tov. Which the Gemara is trying to say, there's no connection between these two cases. Which means I could argue and say, that which to me, Yeshua, was lenient on Yom Tov, that's because it was whole meat. Maybe it's Mahmir in the case of uh, Bechorot over there, that by Kadashi meat, he won't let you do uh, a, a, a weight at all. Because that's Bizayon of Kodashi. Maybe he argues on that uh, Mishnah. And the rabbis that will lean into this Mishnah? Yeah, it could be they will lean into this Mishnah. Because when you're selling a Bechor, it's not the normal way to sell Maneh Kedeket Maneh. But when you're dividing meat on Yom Tov, maybe they'll say Asur. Because the dividing piece of meat could be that's. Uh, that's considered normal to, to do manek. So therefore, get that Mishnah out of the picture. Do not... You know, yes, Rabbi Yoshua said what he said. When I, Rabbi Yoshua clearly said that by Yom Tov you can weigh manek. But do not bring a proof from this Mishnah and Bechorot to anything that we're trying to say. I, could, I can make Hilukim. Terat Gebara says... Inna me'ad kamil kamil baran hatem elemshun delu me'azik avdin dehon avalachad elemazik avdin dehon So the Gebara says... Oh. Side question. Are you telling me that these two rabbis, Rabhiya and Rabbi Shimon bin Abi, were makpeed on each other? Mm. I mean, because you see from the fact that they were weighing, you know, they, they took the scale out. So obviously these two rabbis uh, were, uh, you know, particular. Now we have a story about these two rabbis that we see they weren't particular. When they had to divide stuff, if one rabbi got more and the other rabbi got less, uh, they didn't care. What's the story? The story of the seven fish. That came to the house of Rabbi. When it was divided up, Rabbi Hiya ended up taking five. And Rabbi Shimon did not get upset. He didn't say, hey, that's from my father's house, those seven fish. He's ending up at five? He gets five, we got two. Big deal. So you see these two families, Rabhiya and the Bishimon Birabi, they weren't backpeed on each other. Now you tell me a very funny story on Yom Tov, they went, they were Shokel, Mane, Kineged Mane, they were weighing uh, the Basar. Uh, what's going on over here? So comes the uh, comes the Gemara and says, Amara Papa, 
Papa says, you're right. You've got to change the names over here. Shadi Gavra Benayu. Put a rabbi in between them. Meaning like this. If you want to say to Bihaya was in that story on Yom Tov, put Rabbi Yishma'an Rabbi Yoseh with him. Don't put Rabbi Yishma'an Rabbi. If it's a Bihaya, make the story with the Bihaya and Rabbi Yishma'an Rabbi Yoseh. Eat Rabbi Yishma'an Rabbi which means it was not the Bihaya and the Bishma'an Rabbi. Those two rabbis themselves, we know, they were not Makpid on each other. I, but I got a story over this. They were. Right, so, Keep one of the rabbis, whichever, one, whichever rabbi you want to keep. You want to keep the Bihaya? So you got to put the Mishmael. Uh, uh, you, you want to keep the Mishmael B? You got to put Bakhtapara instead. The point is, it was two different rabbis that were Makpid on each other, and therefore they had to go Shokil, Mane, Keneged, Mane. Okay? Comes the next Mishnah. <coughs> Sharpening. No, so really the Bioshua, they held like the Bioshua, that's clear. We just wanted to say, when the rabbi of Yosef wanted to have a chak of the Bioshua, because we have Bechorot, don't no, 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 leave it there. You, you want to go like the Bioshua from it, don't, don't bring me Bechorot as any proof. Think about the side point, why would they make peanut on each other? These rabbis were uh, forgiving. The, the, the fish, the five and the two. Yeah, they were forgiving, just change the story of the uh, names over there. Okay, now we're talking about sharpening knives. On Yom Tov. Not allowed to sharpen the knife on Yom Tov. Aval Mashia al Gabe Haberta. You're allowed to uh, rub it or scrape it against another knife. You take two knives and sharpen it like that, that would be like a shinui. But to scrape it on the even, on the stone, that would be asur. Okay, that's the opinion of our Mishnah. Obviously, the reason why is it's going to be derech hol. Doing it on the stone is the normal way of doing it. It's of din gehol. I when you do it on the knife, it's considered a shinui. Now the Gemara is going to give some shitot. We start the Gemara. Amar Huna lo shanu ela b'mashchedut shleven. That which we said it's forbidden to sharpen a knife on yom tov. It's only talking about where you're sharpening it on a stone. Aba b'mashchedut shleets. But if it's wood, mutar. Why? Because wood is a shinui. You don't normally sharpen the knife against a piece of wood. So therefore, sharpening on stone, that's not so. But sharpening on wood, mutar. Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Shemuel. So the Yehuda says, the name of Shemuel, the Amar Shilevin Asur. That which you just told me that using a stone is Asur. No Amaran Era Lehadeda. That's only talking about we're using the stone to sharpen. But to take off the grease from the knife, you want to rub it against the uh, stone, not to sharpen it, but clean it. Mimutar. Michlal implying that when it comes to the wood, you can even sharpen on the wood. Right? So that's what the Yudamar Shmuel said. The Yudamar Shmuel said that well, we only said it's a sur by the. Stone. And now we say, what's a subah is stone? Sharpening by the stone. Sharpening. But cleaning it, mutah by the stone. So by ayats, you have to say it's more mekil. By ayats, it'll even be permissible to sharpen. Good? Mm-hmm. Now, Some have a different version. That which Rav Huna said, Rav Huna's statement was, the door is only by stone, but not by 
Yes. So some have that statement by the end of the Mishnah. Why? Which is what it said at the end of the Mishnah. What did the Mishnah say? That with wood it's mutar. And on that, Amar Rabbi Yudah Amar Shemuel, Rabbi Yudah Amar Shemuel said on the end of the Mishnah, Had the Amar Kishir Etz Mutar, that which we said it's Shir Etz is permissible. Lo Amar an Eda Lavir Shamninuta. Etz is only permissible to remove grease. Asur, but the sharpen on wood asur mechlal the bishel even afil asur. That would mean on the stone even to remove grease would be asur. That's a mahbir, right? So we have a mahloket where the Yudamar Shimon statement was said. Was his statement said on the beginning of the Mishnah, or was it said on the end of the Mishnah? Nafkamina. How Mahmoud we're going to be? Go to the first version. We're telling you to take Shamnunit with the even mutar. Go to the second version. Nah, Shamnunit is only mutar by Aetz. Uh, but by even, even Shamnunit is as. So those are two versions on the Mishnah. Ikademati la amatnitin. Okay, some have the. Uh, Statement of Rabbi Yudamar Shmuel uh, as a statement on the Mishnah. See, the first statement had it on Ravuna. Ravuna said, Lo shal elva mashal shal elva mashal shal mutar. According to the first two versions, Rabbi Yudamar Shmuel's statement was a reaction to Rabbi Yudamar Shmuel. That's not a Mishnah. Rabbi Yudamar Shmuel said, Lo shanu elva b'meshchizet shal evin, aval shal etz mutar. And to that, Rabbi Yudamar Shmuel explained Rav, Rav Huna's statement. Some say no. Rav Yudamashua's statement was actually coming off the Mishnah. The actual Mishnah itself. Why? How does it say? You don't sharpen knives on Yom Tov. That is only to sharpen. But uh, take off grease. Mikhlal. That when you're rubbing the knives against each other, even the sharpen will be permissible. But she's the only time the Mishnah was also to sharpen. That was by a stone. But by Haberta, Mutar some have reviewed our statement on the end of our Mishnah. We read it like this. The Mishnah says it's permissible to rub the knives against each other. So learn like this. That which we allow you to rub the knives together is only to take the grease asur. But to sharpen knives against each other? Imply that to go in the stone, even Shamlit is going to be Asur. So basically, we have four different options how to learn a Yudama Shemuel statement. Is it going on the statement of Ravuna? Or is it going on the Mishnah? Basically, the difference uh, between the Shitot is going to see to what extent are we Osir? Do we go so far to say that? On a even, it's asur even uh, shamnunit, or do we say that no? By even shamnunit will be mutaz. Basically, the nafkaminot in the ways of learning. So comes again and says, "Man tanat asur." Who is the opinion that says mashhezet 
sharpening a knife on a stone on Yom Tov is as Who's this opinion? Now we want to know who's the rabbi that forbids Why? Because could be it should be permissible. Why? Because we know the Torah allows nefesh on Yom Tov. Things that are food related are permissible. Now this is really not a direct food related. It's not putting the food in the oven. This is what we would call Mechshire nefesh. This is a preparatory to prepare the knife in order to cut the food. So it's one step back. Back. So we want to know who's the opinion that is Oser Mechshire nefesh, and therefore is Oser to sharpen a knife. So the Gemara says, "Man tanat me'mashchajet asur." Amar of Hizda, delok Rabbi Yehuda. So I'll, I'll tell you, it's not Rabbi Yehuda. Why? The Tanya en ben Yom Tov le Shabbat. Mishnah says in Megillah, the difference between Shabbat and Yom Tov is what? Ela ochen nefesh bilvad. The only difference is Shabbat. You can't cook, prepare food on Yom Tov. You can. Rabbi Yehuda matir. Af makshire ochenefesh. The Buddha says not only ochenefesh is mutar, but even preparatory items. No, it's mekem. The Buddha. Af makshire ochenefesh mutar. And therefore, he allows you to sharpen knives. So they, they asked Rav Hazda, Hey Rabbi, who's the opinion that says you can't sharpen knives? He said, I'll tell you it's not. It's not the Behuda. Because he's Mekel. Right, he's Mekel. He lets you sharpen knives on you. That's what the Yochanefesh. Amar le Rabbi le Rav Hazda. So Rabbi tells Rav Hazda, Darshinan meshemach halachak le Behuda. Do you allow us to announce and publicize in your name that the halakha follows the Biuda? So the Rosh Yosef says that they, uh, 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 Rava understood that if Hazda went like the Biuda. Because when he quoted uh, the statement, he said, the opinion is not going like the Biuda. From the fact that he said, he didn't say, Matnitin de lok the Biuda. That would sound more like a strong statement that the Vishnah is not like the Buddha, we don't go like him. Yeah. The way he said it was that that's a lighter way of, as if he's saying really, hey, listen, I go like the Buddha by the way. But this happens to be not like going like him. So from the way he answered, Rabbah was tipped off and said, hey, sounds like you go like uh, the Buddha by the way. Can we publicize that? You allow us to right. announce that to the people that are like the Buddha? I hope that all these wonderful statements you should quote me with, which is halvai, beautiful. These statements over here that are the no problem. Amar Rav Nehamia Bered Rav Yosef. Rav Nehamia Bered Rav Yosef. Hava Kaimna Kamed Rava. So I was once in front of Rava. He was taking the knife and he was sharpening it on the side of the basket. Basket of reeds. That's the way he was sharpening the knife. So I told him. What so Rabbi, what's your covenant? Are you sharpening that knife on Yom Tov? Or are you just uh, cleaning it? You're taking the grease off? He 
He told me, no, no, I'm just taking the grease off. However, the Gemara says, But I found out that really, his kavana was, He was doing it to shop. He, 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 he held like Rabbi Yehuda, by the way. He held you could sharpen. But you know what? Even Rabbi Yehuda, that allows Makhshire Ochen Nefesh, that's only on a type of preparatory item that you couldn't do before Yom Tov. Which means, if you could have done this before Yom Tov, for example, let's say the knife was broken before Yom Tov, even Rabbi Yudah says, hey, don't wait till Yom Tov to sharpen it. Sharpen it from here. It was only material, a knife that became dull on Yom Tov. What are you going to do now? I couldn't do it before Yom Tov. So not every machshideh or khanif Rabbi Yudah's material. So Rabbah, he had like Rabbi Yudah. But you know what? He didn't want to publicize it. Because if you start telling the people, and all that, they're going to start doing stuff on Yom Tov that they could have done before Yom Tov. So when the student asked him, he said, no, no, I'm just taking off the shamnonit uh, and I'm not uh, just cleaning it. But really, he was doing it to yeah. sharpen. Because he holds like the view of what? Halakha ve'en morinken. It's halakha, but we don't, uh, when somebody comes and asks, we don't tell them, because we don't want them to make a mistake. What are they going to end up doing? Everything. Everything. Even stuff they could have done before Yom Tov. What do you mean? Is really the halakha? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. Check it out. Ve'chen, ve'chen. Now, the Amar Abaye, Abaye said, Hava ka'imna kamedemor. I was in front of uh, Moor, that's Rabbah. The Hava kame'aber sakina asifta drehaya. He was rubbing the knife against the millstone. Okay, again, uh, seemingly sharpening it. The Amri le, the Hadedaka ba'emor, or the Adir Shaminuta. What are you doing, Rabbi? You're sharpening or you're just taking off the grease? I'm just uh, taking the grease off. And then I found out that according to him, the it was really doing it to sharpen. Same thing, he also held Rabbah, but we don't publicize it. Okay, now we go to another question. Ibaya lehu. Are you allowed to go show the knife to the hakam on Yom Tov? Now obviously we're talking about the knife of Shaita. Halakha said that all butchers before they make Shaita, they should go to the rabbi and show the knife to make sure that it is Straight. kasher, right? Yeah, smooth, in order to make Shaita. So what's the shayla? Why not show the rabbi the knife on Yom Tov? What's the question? question is, it looks a little avshamilta, a little commotion in the sense that people are going to think that the butcher now is going to the at least to sell meat on Yom Tov. Yeah, your business. You're going to go show the, the, what, what are you showing the knife for? Now he's got uh, some customers. So therefore, it could be, maybe we don't want you to go in public to the rabbi and show the knife because it can give the wrong impression. People think that he's going to sell meat now. So the Gebarah says, Rav Mori Bered Shari. One rabbi says, and the rabbis also said, Rabbi Yosef Amar, Tamin Hakam Ro'el Le'atzmo. Well, the rabbi himself could check his own life. That's been the tzina'ah. Right? Umashila Le'achirim. And he's able to lend it out. If somebody else needs a knife, the rabbi come along and say, I'll, I'll let you borrow uh, my knife. But he could check it himself because it's been tzina'ah. It's not going to be uh, an issue. Ve'amar Rabbi Yosef. Sakin She'amda. That means on Yom Tov, the Sakin became dull. Meaning it wasn't Nifgam, it didn't become 
totally uh, 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 you know, broken. Not so sharp. Right, but it just lost some of its sharpness. Okay? Sakin Shamda. Mutar lehadeda biyom tov. So he wants to say it is permissible to sharpen it on yom tov rashi. Mutar lehadeda biyom tov. Ve'afal gav te'me'etmulu mishoshum t'chil lekalken. Even though from yesterday and the day before it started uh, really dull. Ve'lelech delo avi lehasukeh adatem me'etmul. But he really wasn't thinking about it from the day before. You know why? He's saying, you know why? I can still use it. Because really it wasn't nifgam. So obviously this is following the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda that allows if the knife was broken from before Yom Tov you can't chop it, you should have done it before but minor dulling of the knife in your mind you're thinking you know what, I can still use it then comes to Yom Tov, you look and you know I, I, I gotta sharpen it so if you couldn't anticipate that you weren't able to use it it'll allow you to sharpen it on Yom Tov there's only talking that we allow you to sharpen it on Yom Tov huh? which means that it could still cut which is if you press He'd be able to cut the, uh, yeah, the meat. So nice. But if you can't even cut with pressing, that would be considered terhayetera. That would be too much burden. Right? No, 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 I'm not let you do it. Which is, that's already uh, too much. Okay? So it has to be a minor dulling like. It was still usable uh, going into that. Tarash Rav Chizda Betiba Rav Yosef. Echad sakin shenif gema. You have a knife that in Pagum, broke, got nicked. They had food shinritsam. That's a spit. That's like a, a spit, they put the meat on it. Shinritsam, it broke, like it got clipped on top of it. They had girifat tanur vikina kirayim biyom tov. Or for that matter, shoveling out the uh, coals or the ashes from an oven on yom tov. Banu the mahlokit, the biyudav rabbanan. This already is a machlok in the Be'udah v'Rabbanan. Detanya. En ben yom tov v'shvat el ochel nefesh b'lbad. The Be'udah matin af makshire ochel nefesh. All these are makshire ochel nefesh. Fixing the knife is makshire ochel nefesh. What do you mean? It's a preparatory. Fixing the spit is makshire ochel nefesh. Shoveling out the oven is makshire ochel nefesh. The Be'udah is makshire ochel nefesh mutar. Now, the only question is here, I understand why the rabbis are osir. Fixing a knife is osir, it's metakin. Right. Uh, fixing the spit is metakin. Yeah. What would be the isur in okay. shoveling out an oven? What's the isur? I think you're just cleaning so it So Tosfot gives two understandings here. <coughs> he says either the isur is as gumot, because now inside the, in, inside the oven by cleaning it out, you might come to smoothen out some holes that are in the oven. You're filling up the holes. Like a clay. As right? gumot. And s- another opinion he wants to say is it's about a new oven over here. And when you clean out the coals the first time, it's It's like the finishing touch oh, it makes to it. the oven. It strengthens the oven somehow. So therefore, Tosfot says, the rabbis not going to lie now. The Hadush is Rabbi Yudas, I don't care. It's a suit. Therefore, he allows you to. But you have to understand why the rabbis would all say it's the first one. They, they, the rabbis allow you to, uh, to pick a piece of meat up and put it on the uh, fire. How come they don't want to clean the oven? What's the suit? Well, the suit over there is. Either we say Bekebepatish or Shriyakot. Now, my Tamad Tanakama. What's the reason of Tanakama? Why is Tanakama or Ser preparatory? Amar Kera, Hu lebado yaase lachem. The person says, Who? 
This we're allowing. Who velo machshirav? Only preparing food itself and not preparatory. So the word who is a limitation. Lachem. Says who the bado yaseh lachem. You know what he learns from the word lachem? Lachem nechosol kechem. Do for you for all your needs. Ochen nefesh, makshire ochen nefesh. Right. So one rabbi is doresh who, and one rabbi is doresh lachem. Fetana kama kitiv lachem. Hey rabbis, what do you do with the word lachem? Amalecha u lachem v'lo neguim. From there we learn, no, no, you can only make food for yourselves, but you cannot make food on your door for goyim. What does the biuda do with the word who? Who's coming to, to limit? Amalecha says it like this. Ketiv hu, which is limitation. Uchtiv lachem, which is inclusion. How do you reconcile? Takasha. That's what he really makes his haluk. Yes, sometimes we're going to all say it. If the preparatory item was be able to be done before Yom Tov, be asur. Who? Only this is permissible, but not makshirin. What type of makshirin? However, lachem, nechosur, chichem, does teach me, you know, anything's mutar. Even preparatory items that will only be able to be done on Yom Tov and cannot be done before. So that's the, uh, where the view that gets his hiluk between based on who and lachem, amar of you, that's Shemuel. Shefud shenirtsaf. That is a uh, spit that became bent, warped. Okay, it didn't break, it's just not straight. Yeah. It is forbidden to, prepare, to, to straighten it out on Yom Tov because it's a terhashal on the Torah. You can still use it. So it's a little bent over Put the meat on it, put it on the fire. So it's a little bent. It's not the broken. So therefore the Gemara says, Peshita. Well, what's the question? Why, 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 why should it be, uh, why should I think it should be permissible? So the Gemara says, Even though you could fix it with your hands, you don't need to use a hammer. So I would have thought, oh, just to bend it with your hands. That's not necessary. What do you just stop to fix things that you don't have to fix? Go, 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 fix something that's not broken. So it's bent a little, you can still use it. So if I would have thought, well, it should be mutar, maybe. All I'm doing is bending with my hand. Kabash Palan, since it's not a necessary item, it's not broken. Therefore, it's Rahayatera. Therefore, even with the hands, it's going to be forbidden. You have a spit that they roasted meat on. Okay, you can use it on Yom Tov. No, everybody agrees. Not Mukseh. Take the spit, put the meat on it, no problem. After you finish using the spit and you take the meat off, it becomes ma'us. Disgusting. And therefore it goes now and becomes mukse. Now, assume that you don't want to use it again. If the guy has more meat, of course you're not going to put more meat. But we're talking about the guy, after he finishes it, he doesn't want to use it anymore. Now it's ma'us. It's disgusting, he just leaves it on the uh, floor over there. Okay? Pay attention to the rabbi's name over there. Rav Malkiyo. Shomto umaniho bekerim zavit. Wow, he comes along and says like this. This spit over here, after you finish using it, you cannot move it directly. It's mukse, you can only move it till tun min hatsad. Which like you take another item and you just, you know, move it to the corner over there and leave it in the corner. It means it's, it's a mukse item. Not only that, even if it has meat on it still. If it has more than a kazayit basar, of course you can move it, because the basar is not mukseh, so you can move yeah, the spit with it. Once already it has a little meat on it, 
don't say, why does it mean on it? You can move it. No, 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 no. The item goes to become mukseh. Now let's say it's on the barbecue, so right? You got to take another item, <laughs> flick it off the tulmin atzad, roll it to the, the corner over there, he holds that it's mukseh. Uh, the other rabbi said, no, just uh, after you finish with it, uh, you know, you got all the meat off of it, whatever it is, okay, just put it down, and after you put it down, don't touch it. He says, no, 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 no. Once already you're down to the list, kezayit of basar on the piece of meat over here, it's mukseh. We'll be leaning for you to move it to the side with the tulmin atzad, but that's it. Now, Ravina Amar Afatish and Allah Basal Mutalitatilo. Ravina is a lenient opinion. You know what? This spit is not Mukse. Why? Even if there's no basar on it. Midi Davi Akots Prishutarabim. It's not going to be different than a thorn in the Rishutarabim. Let's say you're in the Rishutarabim now. There's a thorn. A thorn's on Mukse. But it's a safety issue. We're going to let the thorn be in the Rishutarabim. Now, what's going to happen? Someone's going to come walking. They're going to step on it. They're going to get cut. So, what's Talakha say? Actually, pick up the thorn. Like we would say, a broken glass. Right, you pick it up, move it to the side. So is this spit over here, what do you tell the guy? After you finish using it, leave it on the floor. This is a quote. So you pick up the spit, put it in a safe place, and it'll be muta. So Ravina is really being lean. You don't need basar over here. This is an issue, a safety issue over here. So it's, a, it's a sharp item. So if it says, Midi Dehavi, Akots. Okay, that she says, which is even if you're in the Shutta Rabin, by the way. Yeah. That's why I lose by, this, by the case of the, the yeah. thorns. It's in the public domain. How are you going to carry it? You walk less than four more, you stop. Less than four more, you stop. Until you get it to a <coughs> safe area. So the same thing over here with the spit. You want to pick it up, even if you're in the public domain, where there's people going to walk, you could pick it up, put it on the side, and you have no problem. Comes the Gemaran says, Amar of Hayab now, we just quoted a rabbi called Abmalkiyo. What was Abmalkiyo's statement? He said that what? That item, right after you finish using it, once you get down to the Kazayat of Basad, the spit becomes Mukseh. Now, there's two rabbis in Shas. There's one rabbi called Abmalkiyo, and another rabbi called Abmalkiya. Now, the rabbis wanted to give a, uh, a, a way to remember who's, what's Rabalkiyo's statements and what's Rabalkiyah's statements so you don't get mixed up in the names and in the, in, the, uh, in the rabbis so the Gebara comes along and says like this Rav Hindinah gave us a name is to remember who said what he says like this Shfud that's our case, the case of the Shfud Shifahot that's the second case of Shifahot what's the case of Shifahot I'll tell you that now that's the case of a man that has many servants okay and he's writing his wife a Kitubah so while he's allowed to promise his wife many servants Shifahot however he has to give his wife responsibility why? Because if he doesn't give his wife responsibility to do something, it'll lead to, to boredom, and boredom will lead to zima, will lead to immorality. So that's the deen of shifahot, that you cannot promise your wife a hundred shifahot and exonerate her from any of the responsibilities of that. That's the deen of shifahot. And the third law is what? Gumot. What is the case of gumot? The law pours. Now the law is, how do we know when a person reaches uh, gedola, a girl let's say reaches the age of maturity, so you have sa'arot. You see uh, 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 the pores, right? they produce two sa'arot, two hairs come out of the pores, and therefore you know she's a gedola. So he holds like this, 
even if you don't see the hairs, even if you just see the pores, that's an indication that the hairs were there, but they just fell out. Because a getara doesn't have pores. The pores do not become evident until you become a kedora. So there's three laws of it. You have this non-related laws. The shvud law, the shifahot law, and the gubana. Nafkeminat, you know she's a gedola. Nafkeminat, now after zolov halitza. A gedola is forced to halitza now. We have to make it boom, halitza. A ketana, there's no laws of halitza regarding her. In, in such a case over here where she's a minor, there's no rules regarding uh, halitza. She's married. There's another, she, she, she's a, if she's married, as a ketana, and the husband dies, so then there's just a, there's a, what's called a, a mi'un. There's no, there's no law that she forced halitza and all that. A gedola, then you have, so you have to know. How do you judge it? With the pores. So he says, pores is enough. I don't see any hairs. It doesn't matter. The pores are already an indication of what? Gedola. Now, who said these three laws? So the Gebra says like this. Look at the law. Amar of Halila Bered Rav Ika, Shfud, Shifachot, Gumot, Rav Malkiyo. That's how you remember. These three laws were said by who? Rav Malkiyo. Blorit, Efer Makle, Ugevina, Rabbi Malkiya. Now, what are the three laws? The first law is Blorit. Blorit is like a the curls or the locks. When a goy would go to a Jewish barber, so uh, they were makpid to keep their locks, the curls on their hair, the shem avodazara. That was like a ritual that would for the pagans, for, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the idolatry. Now the problem is a Jewish barber, if he's going to cut and leave the curls, it's a problem. So now you're helping the goy avodazara. So Rabbi Malkiyah taught that you have to leave more than the curls. Means three etzbaot around the head. Do not cut three etzbaot above. Why? So you're not only leaving curls, you're leaving more than that. So therefore, the guy wants to go home and do it himself. But you cannot cut uh, above three etzbaot throughout the shiur uh, of the uh, the guy's head, not to leave the glory. So that was not Malkiyah's law. What's the second law he said? Efer makle. That's the Gemara Makot. The Gemara Makot says, if a person has a, a wound, let's say, in his uh, you know, flesh, whatever it is, mm-hmm. he's not allowed to take ashes and press it into the wound. Why? Because that looks like a tattoo. Because it makes a like an indelible mark over there, the blackening of the mark. So then that's the law of Efen Makleh. And the third law is Givina. Over there, Masikat Abu Dazara says, what's the reason why the Givinot, the cheese of the Grima Asur, is because they... Put the uh, shomen hazir, lard, big fat, on the outside to make it shiny. They, they, they glaze it with big fat. So these three laws of blorit, efer makleh, and givina, rabalkiya. So that's what Hanina wanted us to remember. Who said what? She said, you know what, I'll make it very simple for you. The three laws of shefud, shefahot, and gumot, rabalkiyo. The three laws of Belorit, Efer, Maklen, Givina, Rab Malkia. Now, Rab Papa had a different way of remembering this. Rab Papa Amar, Matnitin u Matnita, Rab Malkia. All the laws that came from Mishnayot or Braitot, those were said by Rab Malkia. Now, how do you remember that? Because 
the Mishnayot and the bride taught are like the queens. They're the, they're the, they're the leaders. They're the, the main item. What's the main source in uh, Gemara? Mishnayot and the bride taught. So they consider like the Malka. Like a queen. Okay, like a queen. And what's the rabbi's name? Malkiah. Malkiah. So therefore, I'll give you a way to remember. All the halachot that were said based on a Mishnah or a Braita, so that's coming up. And like a Matnita is a Nekeva. So they have a Malkiyah is also Nekeva, also, right? So therefore, very easy way to remember it. The Mishnayot, the Matnitin, and all that comes from Malkiyah. Now, Shmateta, but just, you know, the Halachot that came from the Amoraim, the Malkiyah. Now, the Gemara wants to know, is there any difference between the first Lefhinina's way to remember and the way Rav um, Papa is telling you? There's a big difference here. Nafkamina, the Gemara says, my Benayu, what's the difference between them? Again, let's just read again. Rapapa mar, matnitinu matnitara malkiyah, shmatetara malkiyah, vesimanach, matnitin malketa. Matnitin malketa. How do you remember that? Matnitin is nekeva, Malkiyah is nekeva. So therefore, uh, Matnitin, the queen, and Matnita, Malkiyah, are all the ones that come from the Mishnayot. That's Malkiyah. So the Gemara says, "My Benai, what's the difference between the two opinions?" Ika Benayu Shefahot. That's Kamina, the case of Shefahot. Why? Because who made the statement of Shefahot according to the first Rabbi? Rab Malkiyot made it. However, the case of Shefahot is from a Mishnah. So therefore, according to the Papa, you got to put the Shifahot case on the Malkiyah's tally. Yeah. So therefore, it comes out, it's not three and three. According to the Papa, it's four and two. Right. Mm-hmm. So according to the first rabbi, uh, that, that's not my mnemonic. My, my, the, the way I remember it is, he said these three, he said those three. Rabbi Papa goes, no, 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 I'm going to give you another way to remember it. Bottom on all items that emanated from Matnitin, Malkiyah. Right, Matitin's Nekeva, Malkiyah's Nekeva, you want to say, the Matitin are like the queen, and this is Malkiyah's the queen. Good. Nafkamina? Yeah. You got to put Shifahot on his side. Because Shifahot is not an Amoraic statement. The Shifahot emanated from a Mishnah Ketubot. And therefore, you got to put it on a Malkiyah's tally. And therefore, he's got four Alakot, and Malkiyah's got two. Baruch Amen. Amen.